Hi, intuitive listeners. In today's episode, we welcome back Krista Franks from episode five to talk all about death. (laughs) We share some very personal stories of the life, death, and rebirth cycles of our own lives and hope to inspire you to get curious about the cycles of your own life. I couldn't imagine a more fitting person to share this conversation with than the beautifully wise death doula herself. We get raw, we get real, we even get a little tearful. And we offer this conversation from deep in our hearts. We hope you enjoy. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about death, baby. I've been singing that all week. (laughs) (laughs) Only we would be singing about that. I know. I mean, we have like it's a it's a beautiful thing to embrace death the same as we may embrace life, though you know it, it is all in the same. It's one in the same. It's a it's a catalyst. It's a portal. It's a yeah. You're you're like, what do you mean death and life? It's just <laughs> one. It's all just is one. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Um, I know that we have talked about you know talking about death for so long. And it kind of just felt so perfect after having you and Phil on in the last episode. There was that moment when you um, pointed out when Phil was talking about his uh, connection to the snake and how the snake has to shed its layers in order to um, to, to live. You were like, well, if it doesn't shed its layers, it dies. And I was like, death. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need death in order to fully live. That point just really stood out to me. And I was like, it's time. <laughs> it's time that we talk about death. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive into the depths of death. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to talk about something that I so love to talk about. And, you know, sometimes it's not always comfortable to talk about with everyone. And I'm just beyond grateful that you and I can dive into these topics, into these depths and have fun with it. Like we have so much fun with this topic every time we talk about it and we learn so much. So I'm just glad we get the opportunity to do that. Yes. Likewise, I think that um, sometimes we can take life too seriously, you know, and this is maybe an example of that. So, yeah, it's all just a fun dance. The more that we learn to flow with it and listen to the music and harmonize, um, the more the deeper that we may live our lives, you know, so I'm here for it. (laughs) I feel that so much. I think when you put death in, in this perspective, especially with the way that you and I talk, And with you, the way that you play with concepts and modalities and you don't attach to any of them, like, oh yeah, this is exactly the way things are. And what I love Mm -hmm. about you and the conversations I get to have with you is that we don't know, like we don't know. And so we can just like lean into it and play with it and have fun with it. It doesn't have to be so serious, but it can be super informative. And we get to like have that dialogue and you hold that space so beautifully because you make it accessible, you make it normalized, you make it like comfortable to talk about these topics. Thank you so much for saying that. And likewise, I, I really do feel that with you. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing is that we, um, we have the, the ability to evolve and that is with the, the death of like letting go of the need to know. You know, today I believe something that tomorrow I'm maybe proven otherwise or feel otherwise. Let that go um, and continue to change and grow with it. So yeah, I, I just, yeah, wow. So excited to <laughs> have this conversation with you. Um, so I woke up this morning with a wild dream. <laughs> it sounds like you maybe had something going on too. And you mentioned that death is just all around you so it feels just very timely that we're having this conversation um my dream I woke up crying 
And it's the first time I've had that happen in a very long time. And uh, it's also interesting because in the past few weeks, I started dream logging again. So my dreams are like the more that I dream log, the more that like patterns and themes from my dreams are showing up uh, as like little teaching moments for me. So (laughs) this morning I woke up full tears, like (laughs) weeping. Um, I had a dream that I only had a week left to live. And it reminded me of uh, in the last episode and what we've talked about um, with your deathbed exercise. So in my dream, I had a week left to live. And I uh, kind of just that was the only thing that I was given was a week left to live. And I, I almost felt like I had freedom in the dream, like I could kind of control whatever I wanted to do with that information. Um, and I was just crying and hugging my people. And I didn't tell them why I was crying. I didn't tell them that I was leaving, that I was going to die soon. Um, Cause I didn't want them to share in that same pain that I was feeling of having to leave. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I just, it was, it was a beautiful teaching moment. Um, Cause I woke up and I was like, yeah, like that's, that's all that I want. Um, is love and is our human connection and that is what is truly so valuable Um, and in that like one week left to live like that's all that matters is just like those simple moments of like I wrote about it this morning of like when you hug someone and they kind of like rub your back a little bit like that little that touch of the hand on your back or like my nephew sneezing I'm like you can't hear that sneeze anywhere else with like his tiny little nose (laughs) he's only like 14 months old so like you know that exact moment with with like his age right now like you can only get that right now and it just really brought me to the present and all those simple moments of love um and then I I went on and I'd love to hear how all this resonates with you obviously um but I went on to writing about um in my reflection um how how beautiful it is that the the life that I live now is um so free I do feel very free I feel like I'm currently sitting in McDonald's parking lot outside of Phoenix, Arizona. I could be anywhere right now. I live nomadically. Um, and it is a beautiful gift that I have created for myself, really, to be able to live so untethered and so freely. Um, and the beautiful kind of message that I got in this dream was like, at the end of my life, like, I'm not, I don't feel like I need to do anything or go anywhere or see anything. And because I feel like, I'm giving myself that opportunity right now. Um, But at the end of my life, and even right now, like what I care about so much is that human connection Mm. Uh, and that, that love, the deep love that is in the simplest of moments. Um, So yeah, (laughs) quite the, quite the wake up this morning. (laughs) It was uh, a wild and beautiful one. (laughs) Mm, What a gift. What a gift to have a dream like that. Um, no, I didn't have a dream about death, but um, I think about it all the time in that lens. I do have a question for you because, you know, the, I tend to, the way that I operate is to just like dig. And something you said <laughs> I thought was really interesting, especially in the relationships, was you said in that, in that, in my last week, I knew I was dying. I knew that these relationships and these very simple moments, which is very common, by the way, What we find in our work when we take people through the deathbed experience is exactly what you reflected, which is 
the simple things matter the most. It's not like, oh, I did this big thing or I did, blah, blah, blah. but there's so everyone reflects on these relationships and these very simple things within these relationships, the hugs, the presence, the, the touching of the hand, the smile, the sneeze of your nephew. <laughs> so you knew you were dying in your dream. You were soaking in these like super simple moments. And I'm, I'm trying to like make this almost like visualized for everyone, almost like a meditative visualization of like what this last week is like. You felt the love, the connection, the simplified. But the thing that stood out to me the most for you is that you didn't tell them. You didn't want them to know. Why not? Ooh, yeah. Good question. Um, I I kind of mentioned it. I didn't want them to feel the pain. Yes. Um, that might be something I need to uh, dive in on a little bit deeper. What were you feeling in that? just curiosity. I think that death is one of those things where um we like you wanted to protect them. You wanted to protect them from the pain. But I think that they're going to have the pain no matter what because you're going to die. We're mm-hmm. everybody listening, everybody here, we're all going to die. And in that what I felt was what happens if you let them in on your experience? Like what's Ooh, the key? vulnerability aspect of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like death is a shared experience too. And it is a, and I think we, as a society, we resist it so much that we try not to experience it. Mm. And, and I don't know what that is for you in your dream, right? That's personal to you. That's your own exploration, but that's what, you know, I'm, I'm wondering in like, can we experience even death together, just like we experience life together? And I think I've heard so many beautiful stories about people having these like most connected experiences with their family members during death, right? And mm-hmm. like this like magical experience during a very normal stage of life, like the most commonly shared experience other than birth yeah. is death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so so beautiful and interesting um yeah you're kind of you're giving me a therapy session I didn't know that I needed (laughs) oh what came up for you in a a really great way so something that I've been working through is um embracing vulnerability Mm -hmm. and that is definitely tied to this um and then also like as I grow and change to let people into the process of shedding into the process of changing um so that you know, otherwise I'll, I'll go through all these changes and I'm traveling and my family's back in Ohio and then I'll go back to Ohio and I'm like, Hey, I'm this new person. They're like, what? No, you're not. They see me as like two versions back or whatever. Um, because I'm not letting them into the evolution and the changing and, and all of the growth. Um, and I think that there's, you know, time and place. And there are people in my life that I do choose to, um, call upon as I'm growing, but yeah, that is such a beautiful reflection. Um, and in such a, a larger way of like seeing like the actual death at the end of the life with um bringing that into the small death throughout life and the shedding of layers yeah like the shedding of the snake you know the Mm -hmm. that we there's so many and this is what you and I get to talk about so often is like death is not just like the end of life death there's death happening all the time death of the ego death of a version of ourselves death of Mm -hmm. a thought like we experienced earlier you know like death of all these things And 
I think sometimes we try to, even in those transitions and in those transformations, we try to protect ourselves and each other from that vulnerability. And I think that's so common. You know, we try to, to keep ourselves from feeling that instead mm-hmm. of just being like, oh, I'm going through this process. And there are, the, I think you're hitting on a really good point, like having this, the people in our lives who are the safe space to go through those transformations with makes it like you in my world, you know, I can share those transformations so safely and feel so comfortable about what comes up and what comes out and having Mm -hmm. those people in our lives to be like, feel safe in the transitions and in the transformations. And then I think because what you identified was the people who you see at the end, which is such a gift, then it's like, okay, how do I integrate them into the now? And that's what Mm -hmm. you're talking about is like bringing them into that vulnerability, however you can in these very little moments but that's the the gift that looking at and experiencing death can give us. It gives us immediate clarity to what mm-hmm. we need to do now based on <laughs> what we want at the end of our life because we don't know when that's going to happen. That could happen tomorrow. We always say, yep. if I died tomorrow, would I be proud of the way that I live today? Am I living the way that I want to be living so that no matter when it happens, I feel good about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was the interesting thing with my dream. I was like, huh, I, it's interesting that I had a week. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to die tomorrow or, you know, these are my last few hours or whatever. I had a whole week. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, mm, there's nothing else that I want to do. And I don't know that that's always the same for everyone. Like I'm doing the things I'm living so deeply and I'm so grateful to do that. Um, and it felt beautiful to see that like, there's nothing else that I want to do. Um, I felt very at ease with that. Um, and I, I still love travel. I love the opportunity for growth. Um, but yeah, and then so something else that came up when you were talking was you were talking about like the people that you form in your life, the community that you have, people that you can go through these deaths with. And I feel like there's this question, it's in some songs and everything. It's like, who would you die for? And I want to say like, who would you die with? Like, who are the people in your life that you can bring in like call in when you're going through a death who who is that support who do you want around you at all these tiny little deathbed moments throughout your life it actually makes me really emotional thinking about as you said that I could feel the emotion come up in in my body because you know I think there are it's it's not always who you think it should be you know it's like you have Mm -hmm. these people that you would want to be in your, it's your, at your side, whether it's your family or, you know, friends that you've had for a long time, maybe, you know, but sometimes it's, it's the, the people who are like really willing to go to those places with you and like really hold that space with you. And those Mm -hmm. might not be, you know, we've been friends since 2018, 19, when did we go hiking? 21 that was just 21 that's two years ago God. okay two years ago but it feels like we've known each other for a lifetime but totally but how, you know you're you go to such depths with me that even the friends that I've been with I've been uh, friends with since the womb you know we have come from a really small town and you know, we have friends that we've been with been together our whole lives and mm. but I don't know that I could like hold that I could die with those friends in that way but I know they'd be there you know, so it, yeah. it would be emotional in thinking about who would be mm. in that with me. And am I bringing people along for the ride, talking about that vulnerability of like, 
Am I being, bringing people into the transformations who I've been close with my whole life? And can I like, can I, and do I want to like bring them along further so that they're mm -hmm. in that phase of life with me too? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing about love. And there are so many different types of love. There are so many different types of relationships. They don't all need to be the people that you die with, but they may be the ones that accept you as you go through all of these changes too. So mm -hmm. like, you know, those are the people that like, we have all different kinds of teams, I guess, all different um, communities of love. And I don't know that there's one you know, it, they don't compare to one another, um, but it all just kind of is that beautiful building of love around you. The more that you, uh, I mean, I think that we embrace vulnerability in all different ways. Like you and I go to the depth. Um, so like we've, we've known each other for two years, but like love knows no time. And uh, like, I feel that the way that we've been able to get to know each other and go to those depths, we have gotten to this deeper and greater love for one another and for all around us um, because of that. But I think that there's also other types of vulnerability and that is like vulnerability in accepting others as they grow and change. Vulnerability and just like releasing those old patterns. Like maybe those people who knew you from birth or, you know, your childhood years when you feel that you were maybe a different person than you are today. Um, and they still accept you and they grow with you and through all of these changes with you. Even if they're not there for the deaths, they're there for the life. Oh, you know, those go together. But they're together. <laughs> right. A hundred. Yeah. No, I love that. And that's so powerful. I think what um, you're also showcasing is something that death ignites love. Like it is what, you know, the reason why we use the deathbed activity in our work or why I even think about death is like, it is like the fastest cutting way to get to life, to get to love, to get to that clarity of like, who does matter? Who is at my bedside? Like, who am I spending that last week with? Who, who am I around? What am I doing? What am I? And it doesn't become this like morbid conversation. It becomes this like very loving like a loving reflection of what life is. And I think that's so interesting because we've been programmed and wired to be so scared and ignite fear when we think about death in any shape or form. But in what you were just sharing, love is what really comes out of it in those moments. And it's like the clearest cutting information that, that we can get to but only through thinking through that lens. At least that's how we've experienced it. Yeah. Now I'm getting all emotional. This is just. <laughs> such Why a does that make you emotional? Ooh, um, I think just all of it. Talking about love and death to these depths. I, um, I just value it so much. I um, care so much that others get to experience love and the way that I've like I, I feel that I am constantly diving um and people maybe think that diving could be like a bad thing like you're just like jumping off the cliff or going into the darkness um which is what I'm doing in a sense because I'm going into the unknown and I'm finding that like within the unknown of love it is like the most infinitely expansive space um I was writing about this yesterday it was like I thought I loved you then. I know I love you now. And I hope I'll learn to, or I'll get to know what love is like tomorrow because it just continues to grow. Um, and that, yeah, just 
this topic really makes me emotional because it, it is so in the heart and um, I just feel it so deeply and feel so grateful to be having this conversation with you really. Oh gosh. I mean, and that's exactly the feeling. And I, it always taps me in, even in the moments, I mean, in this conversation for anyone listening, Emma's being so patient because we have, you know, my two-year-old waking up from his nap and, and being a little upset <laughs> and crying and screaming. But even in that moment, right, where I'm going up and he's upset, what I feel is like that deep sense of love for him. You know, that at the end of my life, all I truly care about is that you remember your mom as a very loving, spacious person who was like with you on your journey and facilitated this journey with you, you know, not only when you're an adult, but like right now, right now in this moment. And so it like completely changes my action from one of frustration because you're not, you're not taking your nap when I'm supposed to be recording this podcast. I planned it very intentionally so that, you know, we didn't have interruptions. <laughs> it changed it from that to just love you know, like love and space and I'm here for you and I'm here with you. And we go through these moments, just like we'll go through any moment. And I love what you said about, I loved you then. I love you now. Like I, I, I thought I loved you then. I know I love you now. I have faith that I'm going to experience love in all new ways in the future. And I love that, you know, love is like ever evolving. And that as we go through even beyond, like, who knows, we don't know what comes after the actual death. Like, there could be even greater love. At least that's what we all think. There's even greater mm -hmm. love after that. Um, so I love, I love even the connection we're having and the paradigm shift from a, you know, fear-based negative conversation to one of like love and connection. Oh, yes. I, I love how you just said that too. It's like beyond this lifetime, like we hope that there's an even greater love. Our way of knowing that and at least holding hope and belief in that is by embracing these small deaths now. Um, and as we go through the deaths, it's like we were saying, you, you grow in love through every death. There is a greater love. Um, and so we, we get these lessons throughout life. So then, of course, like, why would we be afraid of death in the end? that's powerful like the why are we afraid of the expanding why are we afraid of the next phase how do you know when death is at your doorstep how do you know when um you know the death of an era the death of a phase the death of a version of self how do you know when it's happening I find that if I'm resisting something and that's been the beautiful thing of like holding uh, mindful, loving awareness is to notice when I'm resisting something because there's probably something on the other side. Because um, for me, like death, uh, when I'm experiencing a death, I um, can get caught in the overthinking and the anxiety of like what is the unknown of trying to know what I cannot even know. <laughs> um, so that's when I uh, form resistance within me when my mind starts going on uh, this death that is in my face. <laughs> um, but I'd love to know for you what your experience is, because I know we all have such a unique way of embracing death. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear yours. Oh my gosh, so much resistance, right? It's like, it, like we would all imagine dying, like, oh, I don't want to, I don't know what's on the other side, to your point about like, why are we fearful? Because we don't know, it's the unknown. It's so scary. Like, of course, we're going to resist it. My friend today, um, she, her metaphor was like, I feel like I'm, you know, sliding down a hill, like a very steep hill that I'm just like flying down, but I'm like 
fully resisting it. And so I'm just like holding my hands out, like stopping the, the, the flight, you know, down the hill. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's such a good metaphor that it's like, it's going to happen. And the mm-hmm. more you resist it, the harder it becomes and the less enjoyable mm-hmm. it becomes, you know, and oh. so, right. <laughs> what? What do you have there? That just, so I, I mentioned to you before starting this recording, I've been uh, hiking a lot. I set a goal for 50 miles within a week's time, like a crazy person. I love it though. <laughs> um, something that I was reflecting on yesterday, I did a Canyon hike and I normally hate Canyon hikes um, because it's going down first and up second. I would much rather do the climb and then kind of breeze my way back to the car. So I went into it knowing that it was going to be a mental challenge on top of it was labeled as a hard hike and a lot of elevation gain and all these things and scrambling rocks and whatever. Um, but the mental challenge was like the hardest part. So I was like, let me like tune into my body and see what it, what is the message that I'm resisting here? So it was the death thing too. Um, what am I resisting here? What, what can I learn from this experience of just let me just go into the canyon. And I noticed um, when I was going downhill, there were some like extra steep parts with uh, pretty loose gravel that I was like sliding a bit. And I'd only slide or um, kind of like come off balance if my body was stiff, if I became afraid that I was going to fall. But instead, when I was going down, I like was almost like forced to find center Um, Because when you stabilize, like even if I'm, you know, I'm starting the slide, I can kind of lean forward a little bit and maybe like uh, recenter my my body, my like center of gravity. Um, So then I would find a way to go down this hill without falling. And then what I noticed too was even when I started to climb back up, I had such a strong core. I had such a like solid center of gravity of like groundedness that the climb up like at that same uh, uh, incline, I was able to just fully like be in it and stay centered. So yeah, it was just this beautiful exercise and very much connected to what you were sharing with your friend um, of like, you know, we learn from uh, the hike down. And I think that that's like a metaphor for life as well. Like we learn when we get to go down into those valleys, when we get to go through those deaths, that's how we grow that strong foundation in that core so that we can climb up again. Right. But you never would have learned. I've loved this. I've loved this. Like you never would have <laughs> learned if you didn't just let go, you know, in the resisting, you were sliding down and that became very unenjoyable because you're falling <laughs> and it's like very uncomfortable, right? Fa- yeah. Going down the canyon is uncomfortable already. Doing it while resisting and falling makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. And it's like uh, the messages almost of like shame were coming up. I was finding what, what is it that's um, like holding me back from, from really being in this and learning what I need to learn. And it was the message of like, like shame of like, why are you doing this anyway? Why do you like, you know, really, can you do this? All of these like tiny little things that the like inner gremlins of my mind were (laughs) trying to take over. And I, instead, I like to do a thing when I'm hiking of like breath to body movement. So I do like two and this one, it was two steps, inhale, two steps, exhale. I was taking <laughs> little steps, you know, coming down the the steep hill. Um, so anytime that my mind would come in in the overthinking pattern, I would recenter into that place of stability so that I could continue to go down and into my breath. 
Um, so releasing all of those thought patterns and then seeing once I got down, I was like celebrating. I, I made it to this beautiful stream and I'm like, I freaking did it. <laughs> I made it down. And part of me was like, started to think like, oh shit, I got to climb back up there. <laughs> but I knew, I knew that like the, the climb down, I was like, you know, I'm already here. So why not just like embrace being here? Mm-hmm. But you're showcasing the cycle. You're sho- like that cycle is no different than if you're growing into a new version, you know, or if you're dying actually, right. You're going to these very uncomfortable, you're going through this like very uncomfortable process and you're going mm-hmm. to this, like this depth of an experience or depth of a Canyon and resisting, mm-hmm. resisting, resisting. But as you like lean into it and gosh, those, sh- those shame thoughts are so real. Like talk about vulnerability. Those thoughts that get in our heads and tell us that like what we're not doing it right what are we thinking we're not we shouldn't we aren't capable of this makes it again 10 times worse and that recentering is everything I had to tell you this story because I think with death you know the way I think about it is sim- like all this is the same and where I experienced it one time the, in the most was in birth it was actually in the birth process. So my first son, I had a very natural, I wanted, I intended to have a very natural birth. I wanted to do a home birth and I was like, no, that's not my jam right now, but I'm going to do a home birth at the hospital. So I'm going to get the bus to both worlds. And so we had our home birth midwives there. And I was like, I am going to get myself to a certain point in this birth process. So that when I go into the hospital, I'm basically just birthing the baby. So I'm like going through this birth process at home with fulfill my wonderful poor husband in this process (laughs) and I am resisting much like you resisted the hike down I'm resisting the birth process to the point where I'm crossing my legs like that's how hard I was resisting this movement of birth and it Mm. just felt like everything was I couldn't control it and then I had the shame thoughts of like you can't do this. This is so hard. This is so painful. All of those same things that came in to play the same things of going down the mountain, the Canyon had all the same. And it didn't change until I let go of all of that. And I let go of my control and I let go of those thoughts and I just leaned in. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just accept that my body knows what it's doing. My job is to open, to allow, to release, to literally release, like stop crossing those (laughs) legs and let life do its thing. Like let life Mm -hmm. move through you. And whether that's a hike or a baby or death or whatever it is, like let life move, let energy move, you know, stop restricting and constricting and fighting against it. And so when I found that center, we just like moved through these waves of similar to what you're saying, like okay, I can do this. We can do this. Like Phil and I were in this moment where we were like moving through these waves of contractions together. And it felt like that end of coming to the bottom of the Canyon where we're like, and we finally get there in the bait and Orin comes out and, you know, I put him on my chest and it was like, Oh, you know, like, Oh my God, like finally letting go and relieving, like releasing and allowing, frankly, an old version of me to die because I was born anew, just like the baby was born, like a new way of being was born into reality. Um, Mm -hmm. But even then, like you enjoying that, those, those minutes and those, that time literally before 
you have to start hiking up again. You know, like, okay, now, <laughs> now you either have to start hiking up the canyon or, okay, Christy, you have now this, you, you've birthed and you've done the thing. And now you have to take this new life and start hiking back up that canyon, like <laughs> building this new life. And I think you're what you, what you're showcasing in, in your hiking and what I'm showcasing in this birth is like the evolution, the cycle, the change that we go through in the death and life process. You know, death is not mm -hmm. solo. It's the death and life process. It's the death and life yeah. cycle. And I think that as I've observed it, similar to you, it's like when that resistance becomes the most, and then kind of when like everything feels a little chaos outside of you. Mm -hmm. And which makes you resist more. That's when it feels like death is at the doorstep. Like, oh, yep. there's transformation happening. There's transition happening. Like all of what was is kind of like getting a little chaos, a little disordered, falling apart. And my job is to let go. My job is to center, to accept, to allow, mm -hmm. to stop resisting this cycle of yep. life and death, life and death, life and death. And it is all one but we have to like flow with the energy instead of being like, nope, no, that's way too uncomfortable. Like I will not like the snake to take it back to the snake. If I, if the snake doesn't shed the skin, like, no, I really like the skin and I really want to keep this skin. The snake mm -hmm. dies. Right. And we, as humans aren't, we're not different. We're not any different. It's just, mm -hmm. are we willing and able and you know able to allow the natural process to occur? Yep. Wow. Yeah. What, what an intense example of death and rebirth going from, I mean, especially like you mentioned with your first child too. So you're going from the version of yourself before you, I mean, I, I guess I believe that you are a mother as you're, he's still in your body. Um, but even like once he's released and he's out in the world, it is like a new level of intensity. Um, and you really go through like the death of even being like the pregnant mother to then having this child um, and there's so many deaths throughout and that was just wow yeah thank you for sharing that such a beautiful example um, and something else that came up while you were talking was like we so often um, choose what we think is comfortable um, that I actually believe is like a greater form of discomfort 100% I completely agree with you I think the cycle becomes like the discomfort and then the numbing the numbing of the discomfort. And that's the cycle that we get into when we're in that stagnation. You know, mm -hmm. when we don't embrace the natural life and death cycle and the natural flow of things, I think that we get in, you're saying that I always think about it as water, which you know, I'm a big fan of water. Yep. And, <laughs> and I always think about it, you know, when water gets stagnant and just stays as, as it is, what happens? It gets smelly and it gets gross and it gets like <laughs> disgusting you know mm -hmm. but when it's flowing and it's like traveling to places unknown you know we might be able to see it up here but the water doesn't know where it's flowing mm -hmm. it's just flowing it's just going it's moving and that for us humans I think that we often get into that discomfort and then we find all these ways to numb out instead of engaging in life and knowing like just stepping into the flow and going with it and knowing like we are going into the unknown and it can be very scary and it can be, it can knock us off, like out of balance, but mm -hmm. we are able, like we're, we can find our center in that to use your language. 
if we can find our center in that. And if we can do that in whether it's a hike or whatever, you know, a personal growth opportunity or a birth, like we, that builds resilience and it builds mm -hmm. like our trust in life and allows us to like do new things and experience new stuff and like lean into deeper versions of ourselves and life experiences. Yeah. A hundred percent that goes into like when you embrace uh, how I was talking about the discomfort that lies within that space that you know, versus the type of discomfort that you might feel when you go into the unknown. Um, it's like the more that you build that center and that like, that core strength, um, the like it, which is in kind of the form of trust, which is in all of those building layers within us. Um, that's when you can really like fully surrender and move through death as it is life. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. You know, one of the things we have a, um, this happened at our old condo that we lived in. We had a clock right on our, like right beside our front door. And one day Phil's mom shut the door and the clock fell and shattered. And we thought about like, oh, we should get another clock to put there. And then we were like, no, we had this. In the meantime, we had this uh, picture of a horizon. And to us, that symbolizes the unknown because we were talking about how, you know, back way back when and people didn't know the earth wasn't flat and these you know, adventurers would go out on the open seas and just sail to the horizon, not knowing like the complete unknown of what is out there. And they just did it. You know, they just like, mm -hmm. they just went and explored. And so we took this picture of the horizon because we always say that, like, we always associate that with the unknown. So it's like the ocean. And then right above that is just, it's the horizon line and then just sky. And so we always say like, go venture into the unknown, go venture into the unknown. We've always said that death we believe is life's greatest unknown, because if something were really special, wouldn't you hide it behind the, the, like the most, the, the door that most people don't want to go through. Right. Yep. <laughs> and we always say that, like, go through, Go, go walk, open the dark doors, like go to the dark doors, go into the unknown. There are always gifts there. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's so true. And also I love the um, image of the horizon because mm -hmm. um, I was reflecting on it as, as you were talking too of like, like how, what are the tools that we have in uh, finding our center and staying grounded and um, asking for release? Like we have our team, like we talked about, and I think we all have our different practices and our tools that we um, lean on as we go through these deaths. And one thing that I was thinking of is like, you you place maybe anyone at the edge of an ocean and watch how they just kind of, even if it's just for a moment, just watch how they look out. There is so much release in water um, that I think it's like we, and water like, the horizon it is that great unknown it is like paralleled to death and in, into the mystic really um so it's like leaning into all of these little ways that life is offering us um and allowing them to teach us and to give us that release that maybe we don't even know we're looking for you know everyone goes walking along the beach and they just find themselves gazing out um, and I think that there's something, something there and just tied so beautifully. I love that you released 
the need to have a clock and that like almost attachment to time that is so human um but really like going off into the horizon seeing that great unknown there is no there's no time comparison there's um there's no need to attach anything there is really nothing to attach to (laughs) with (laughs) the great unknown (laughs) totally like time is like the numbing part of a numbing agent you know time is like trying to tether us back to this like perceived linear experience and it it can be it can be a tool for like you know keeping us on track in everyday life but it can also be a detractor from like actually living life you know like Mm -hmm. actually going and exploring what is what are you using as you are experiencing these cycles of life and death what are the tools you're using? Like, what are you, as you're, you're acknowledging, okay, death is, you know, like I'm going through a cycle of death and, and I want to like engage in it and I want to, to embrace it and be like in play with it. You know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's an aspect of being like that death feels uncomfortable. I'm not going to engage with, it. I'm just not going to do it. Or there's the, I was like, okay, cool. Let's play. Like, let's do this. Yeah. So how are you kind of mm-hmm. keeping your center while you're going through that cycle? Mm, thank you for that question. That's so beautiful. Um, many things. I think right now uh, it's been a beautiful routine of like releasing and writing. So I'm in the morning pages doing the artist way again, um, as you know. And so releasing and writing is a beautiful form for me right now. Um, letting go of, or even just like letting out what needs to be let go of. Um, so giving it a place to exist. So on the pages. And then um, right now I'm in the routine of writing and then going into nature. Um, so sometimes if I wrote in the morning and I'm like, oh, wow, like there's something from my past or there's some pain here. Or there's there's some layer here. Um, I, I really have been going to some deep depths lately um and finding things that I didn't even know were still down there and I'm like ooh, all right let's bring these up let's let them out like you don't need to live in me anymore so um I think awareness is a beautiful thing so any tool that you have for like coming into yourself and an awareness is so powerful um and for me it's been writing and then taking that awareness into nature um I think nature offers one of our greatest forms of like I mean, it's mother earth, mother earth. (laughs) So it's like a great, a very connected form of like, like it feels like a big hug to me when I'm in nature, especially when I'm going there asking for something. Um, And that uh, lately has been asking for this release, asking for forgiveness even of like needing, you know, so often it's hard to ask for something that you need. Um, So it's like going there with such humility, humility. Um, and then I've been doing something so connected with water, um, of course. <laughs> I think that, like you were saying, water as it's in motion, like it it has such a beautiful movement. It goes into the unknown. Um, and I think it also is a, is a place and um, a beautiful element that offers us release in that sense of motion. Like you can go to a stream and it will always look like a stream, but the water that's there, we've talked about this too. The water that's there is never like, the same drop of water mm-hmm. um so when I go into nature there was one hike that I did recently where I wrote that morning there was some stuff coming up that I was like nope like we can well no and yes yes thank you for coming up and let's let this go so I went into the hike with the intention of 
releasing. And I'm, I walk like two, three miles in before I get to the stream. I knew that there'd be water uh, further in. So I get two, three miles in thinking of this thing uh, that I wanted to release and every single step allowing it to kind of like, I could feel it kind of like shaking off of me. Um, and then I got to the water and I do this thing. It seems a little bit witchy as I'm <laughs> going to say it now, but I like put my hands into the water and I say this um, sort of like a prayer, I guess. Um, it feels like a spell <laughs> in some way, but it it uh, is like an offering of the heart and of prayer. And I say like, um, as I'm washing my hands in the water, I say, I wash away my worries, all the pains of my past. I let go of what once was uh, becoming all that I am at last. And then I thank the water for just being there, for allowing me that release. And I literally just like, I know our hands are an extension of our hearts. So to be able to go to water and like put my hands into water and let something go um, and saying that prayer Oh, yeah. So healing. Um, and actually a really beautiful thing happened when I did that. Most recently, I washed my hands. I went back onto the trail. I immediately I turned right and I immediately saw um, I looked it up later. It was a uh, morning cloak butterfly that started fluttering like so gently kind of floating across the trail. And it is mid-February in the desert. So I'm like, what are the chances that I just saw a butterfly right now? <laughs> um, and actually looked this one up and it was a symbol. It was a harbor of spring because um, they, it's one of, um, just to go on a little tangent, this butterfly has one of the longest life cycles, at least from my brief research, one of the longest life cycles. And when you see them coming out, it's like they, they're coming out of this, they're sort of like hibernation where they're coming out um, in time to mate. So it's like the the coming of spring. So it was like this beautiful, uh, like, I just felt so held in nature um, to kind of come full circle. It's like, that is one of the, one of my greatest teachers, one of my greatest uh, comforters um, in embracing death and like seeking these tools and these, like that community, like we talked about, nature is one of the biggest vessels of love. Oh my gosh. And you know, like what you're showcase, like what you're talking about too. I love it so much is like nature makes death more comfortable to me. You know, I don't think that that butterfly <laughs> story or anything about it was a tangent. It's all such a part of it because what happened was in your letting go and in your releasing also, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts, but the ritual, the rituals that we hold in life can be so sacred and they can make life so sacred. Right. And sometimes we only have those rituals for big moments like death, right. Or birth or something, you know, birthdays or whatever they are, but like those regular, regular rituals that allow you to kind of release or to like consciously make these movements. I think that can be so powerful. And in you doing that, you were shown rebirth. Spring is rebirth, right. Nature's mm -hmm. rebirth. And in the winter, it's the the hibernation, the like dying of all of the leaves, like the whole release, let go. We, we hunker down and we are born anew in the spring. Yep. And I love that nature in that moment, like held you in, in your release and showed you the sign of rebirth, almost like a, thank you for trusting me with your release. Like you are a part of this mm -hmm. whole cycle. You're a part of this earth. You're a part of all that is. And that message the reason why I don't think it's a tangent is because I think we as humans just run around acting like we're not part of nature. We run around acting like we're not part of this, this cycle that's happening 
in the, in the world, in the universe, in the cosmos. And we act like we're not, but when we actually stop and be present and pay attention and notice Mm -hmm. those things are happening all the time. Those butterflies are coming in the, the other day I was like also having kind of a prayer within nature and I was running and I'm like, I, I felt called to go out into our backwoods and we have this trail because of, like there's a Metro park that you've seen and you've been in. And I felt called to like, every time I'm going through a, you know, a death of some kind, or I can feel it, ha- anything I can feel happening, I feel called out into nature. So I go out there and I, I start running and just kind of like shaking it out, like releasing, like being in it, like an offering and 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 an invitation to like be a part of nature and I like come Mm -hmm. to the top of the hill where you know I end my lap before I start the new one and as I'm coming up this hill this bald eagle flies so close over my head and just keeps on soaring and the message that I heard was like it's all going to be okay because you're doing the hard work And I just wholeheartedly believe that when we acknowledge and know that like, we're part of this cycle that's happening. And I'm pointing outside because in Ohio, we have like full on winter, you know, like we have like (laughs) the brown trees and the, the grass dies and comes back anew in spring. You know, when we acknowledge that, like we are part of that whole cycle and we just take the time to notice these like gifts that Mm -hmm. we're getting from it. Like we, it's communicating to us. We're communicating back. And it can add so much comfort in that process. And like hope, like a butterfly is such a sign of hope. And I just like love that part of like, I'm not, it's not just me. It's not a solitary, it's not an independent venture. And I am separate Mm -hmm. from all of it. Like when you acknowledge that it's life and death and like it's all the same cycle and we're all the same with everything that's happening it gives you a lot of comfort to be able to do things like walk into the unknown because you know, it's not just about you. It's all kind of happening. We just need to step into, we just need to be in that flow and have those moments to like release it into the water and be shown these signs and just take the time to notice. Yes. Uh, I, I laughed a little bit when you said like how uh nature brings such comfort in the unknown because I immediately like I could almost feel the hail on my head from when you and I were up in the Uintas in Utah um and that was such a death moment for all of us so there was you know it was you and I and two other friends were up hiking and we just were pounded by this hailstorm after hiking what like 12 miles and we were a mile away from camp and it was just such a intense like beating <laughs> and then you know right after that once we got to camp I remember one of the most beautiful things we I I know you cried I may I was I don't even know if I was fully there <laughs> I, I was uh yeah not doing super hot but we made it um we like went through this together and that's where um, I think going back to like the tools that we have it's like community Um, Because we all like though like nature was giving us this insane storm. uh, We all came together under this tree. The tree was there for us. We were there for one another. We uh, encountered the moose, the mama moose and the babies. Like it felt like everyone was there together to like get through this storm. And then we got to camp and I remember like after we fully released and we were like, holy shit, we freaking like what just happened? 
we looked out we had our tent set up the rain had stopped we opened our tents and there's a rainbow and like (laughs) it's just insane it's so beautiful how like if we if we would have just been all like oh wow like we're we're cold and wet and we just went through this hailstorm and we you know uh, our relationship to the experience was so important there because we could have just stayed in our tent and never even seen the rainbow um and it just what you said about like making space to notice those little things and those connections that like we are all in this together nature is here with us as we are with it like it is all one and it is so so beautiful in that oneness where you just there's so much hope so much comfort um in that great unknown in the climb up to our uh backpacking spot um and yeah just (laughs) okay okay like but I have to add in some color on this like okay first of all first of all like it is not even though it's comfort you know nature adds comfort and you know there's a light and we were talking about like what it turns into like it is still not comfortable when you're going to like you have to be willing to embrace the adversity and what I love is that you're saying we we found each other under those trees and it was just like hailing and lightning. And it, frankly, it was scary as shit. Like I was scared to death. This is the first backpack packing. And I'm looking at you like, Em, is this cool? And you're like, this has never happened to me. And the hand is like, I've only done this twice. And I'm like, what are we doing up here? <laughs> like, it was so scary. And what I think is really interesting about this, Em, is like you and I had this random, not random, if in this conversation, it couldn't be random. We were crossing that bridge halfway through literally crossing a bridge (laughs) literally crossing a bridge and I do feel like that time that hike was a rebirth for me like that was a big death of an old version and that hike was so powerful that I was a different person when I came back like I was a different woman and I think it started on that bridge when you and I had this huge release unexpected Mm -hmm. completely unexpected we're both crying hugging mind you Em and I didn't really we, we we had met once before this once. <laughs> yeah. and we are yep. like having this very deep conversation and having this huge and it felt like a release it was over water water's flowing beneath us and we are just like having this huge cry and then we're laughing and hugging and we're like oh my god that was completely unexpected and then not long after that the hail storm, hail storm starts and the, the, <laughs> the lightning cracks but I think that's the process right it was almost like um, similar to birth, right? The the early stages, you you have the cry, you do the thing, but it gets intense, intense, more intense, more intense, more intense, more intense until it breaks, you know, until like you get through that last centimeter and then you, you know, push the baby out of your body. Like it got so intense, but we like kept center by laughing about what was going on. And then it was dancing, like, dancing, <laughs> we were like dancing. We have such funny videos. And what I, I will, what I remember the most is like that last mile was, was very intense. It was very scary. It was like, it was hard work and it was really like, it was so hard to like keep focus and get those tents up and put them. But the, the relief, the gift on the other side was we got those tents up, we got in those tents and I had carried a bottle of wine the entire way up. <laughs> For, for Hannah's birthday and here I am crying and I was like Hannah happy birthday here's your wine I need to drink it also here's some Cheez-Its I need to eat them and we are like laughing and crying all at the same time 
And it was like one of my favorite life memories. Like I would, I would do that hike all over again to have that memory, to like have mm-hmm. that memory with you guys and to like, cause then you guys huddled in and we're like having this experience. And it really did, you know, we were surrounded by all these people who came together to build fire and to take care of each other. And I, I learned so much in that experience. Right. Mm-hmm. But that journey is so funny because, you know, we were, that was nature kind of like putting us through the ringer, quite frankly, like it was really uncomfortable, but then she, gifting us with this beautiful rainbow. And I get chills thinking about how beautiful that was. And then mm-hmm. what emerged after that was all this like community and these memories and these conversations and a bonding between the four of us that would not have happened as strongly if we had not gone through that together. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And I, I love how you said that you felt like you were a different version after this hike. Um, cause I definitely, I still, it's been over two years now and I still, maybe only a year and a half. Wow. <laughs> I know that's why I when still, I said 2018, 2019, I was like, for sure. It had to be yeah. so much longer ago. Feels like yesterday and a lifetime ago. Um, but it, I love that you said that it was, it, you felt like a different version of yourself because I too, uh, I still process through the depths that I encountered there. Um, and I love hearing your story of the top of the mountain and the wine and the Cheez-Its because I was still going through the death up there, if you remember, because I had um, really bad altitude sickness and I didn't have that like relief until maybe even days later. Um yeah, because I yeah I I couldn't even uh, partake in the wine and the celebration. I was just happy to be alive. Um, but that brings me back to what we were talking about with like community and having like who would you die with? And I I would choose all of you guys. Like the way that we held each other through that hike. Um, and even when you were talking about the story of us crying on the bridge, we we had gone through such a beautiful deep conversation that led to that bridge, and we all we all stopped and we were kind of scattered on the bridge. And I remember like, like you said, we were just looking out to the water and water really does bring so much peace and release. Um, and I, I was bawling and I look over, you were still, you were at least like 10 feet from me. I look over and you're bawling and we were both like, you're crying too. And then we came together in that like vulnerability in that death, we came together and like embraced and like supported one another. And it just felt like this rebirth right there in that moment um and then even kept climbing up had the hailstorm (laughs) hit us um and like we went through so many deaths together and still like even at the top you guys were able to partake in the wine and the Cheez-Its I could barely walk (laughs) because I could not see um but it was like such a, a beautiful gift to have one another I like I remember feeling afraid of like literally dying (laughs) um but I felt so safe and secure knowing that you guys were there with me Mm -hmm. I just anytime like the thought of fear was coming up the thought of like literal death like I was afraid of literal death up there um I would just stay rooted and stay centered in knowing that I had you guys and I think like that's that's what it's all about that's how we that's the tool for carrying us through I completely agree both while we were there you know, like caring for each other, taking care of each other, trying to do like, I know you forgot like a coat, like an outer shell. And I was like, here's my, here's this. And then, you know, like 
Lauren's taking care of you and when, you know, Hannah and we're all taking care of each other in different mm-hmm. ways. And, um, not only in that moment, but even after we got back, we had a lot of processing to do. We had a lot of processing between like about the experience and holding that space for, as you got back and you started to actually feel some of the relief and we all started to like dig into like, Whoa, what just happened? Like we actually started to process what that experience was like. And I think going back all the way to the beginning about you kind of talking about, you had the week and I kept my family, I didn't want them to know about it because I want to like protect them from that, you know, that pain, that part of the process is going to happen. You know, like the, the, the after fact, after the fact too, like the processing. And I think that it's so valuable to have each other, even in that. So we kind of touched on it through these stories, but like, what are your tools for embracing death? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you cut through resistance? Um, and then is there anything else that shows up along the way? Well, um, you know, I think what's interesting is that I have a, the reason why I, I don't know why I've always talked about death. I've always thought of myself as I've always been attracted to the idea of being a death doula. And what I've found is that I'm not a death doula. I'm a life doula. You know, like I, even with the work that we do and and the way that I show up, I really think about, okay, cool. Like, let's use that as a tool. Let's use death as a tool to live life to the fullest and like live life really in alignment. And um, death has always come up in my life. So the first is just like being aware of the patterns of how death comes up. And you know, this, like I have a, some of, I'm not sure what it is yet. So there's a little asterisk here, but I've been exploring because it's happened so often of like, I'm hypervigilant of like actual deaths in my life. So I'm hypervigilant of like when death is happening and oftentimes and have for each of the, the main people in my life who have passed away, I have known before they pass that they're going to pass. And I have experienced even not being in the geographical location with them. I've experienced their passing in the moment. So energetically, I really feel death and, and I don't know why I'm so tethered to it. I'm still exploring this whole concept and like, why is this a thing for me? And why do I know when these events are going to happen? And why do I know maybe when someone's going through a phase or a cycle of letting go in their life? Um, And so for me, one of the things that I would say as a tool is just being aware of that, like being aware of when the death concept comes up in my life. And so I told you that death has been very prominent for me lately. And here's what happens. I see multiple deaths, whether it's on social media or a friend tells me about a death or like I read it in the news. Like there, there's a series of death of like thing, deaths that like really stand out to me, right? Because I think death is around us all the time, but like there are specific moments where it's high, like, it's almost like, um, hypervigilant in my life. And I notice it big time. So there's an awareness of the series. So lately I've had like a series of deaths happening day after day. I'm seeing it. And then where we live now, for whatever reason, when these cycles are happening, I see funerals go by, like, I'll see the cars passing by and I'm like, Oh my gosh, okay. It's happening again. So for me now, one of the tools that I use is just kind of starting a conversation, conversation with, for me, it's kind of like, um, Gus, God, universe, spirit, whatever it is. I'm not really sure, but just like (laughs) having a conversation of like, okay, is this death for me? 
is this death a real death or is it a cycle death? Is this death, a, is it a death of someone I love? Is it a death of, you know, a bigger, larger picture of community and society? Like, is it a global event? You know, like I start to have a dialogue with, with spirit about what, why am I getting this awareness and what is it for? So that I can get a little bit more information about like, is it, you know, something that is happening to me? Is it happening to someone else? And like, what can I do with it? Because when I first started feeling this, I'd be like, oh gosh, okay, I'm for sure going to die. Like it is me and I'm going <laughs> to physically die. And went and had a conversation with Lisa, our friend who's a psychic. And she was like, it's not you, you're not dying. And every single person I talked to, they're like, I don't feel that, you know, like the intuitives that I would talk to, they're like, I don't feel that for you. And so I finally realized, oh, okay, I just need to have a conversation and start to dig in about where this death is. So that's the first thing. And we had a conversation about intuition. And that I think that's what it is, like the awareness of this topic happening, and then just kind of leaning into that intuition and starting to have a dialogue with that intuition about, okay, well, where is it? Where's death happening? What do I need to, is it something I need to do something about? Or is it just happening and I need to be aware of it? I don't know. So I just start to have a conversation with it. That's the first time. And I mean, most of the time it's happening in a journal, right? But I also have a Claire audience tool that I did not know was a strength. I always thought I was just like clairsentient, but um, I'll hear very often and I'll go to this place because you and I go to this place, but like I very regularly hear those messages directly back. Um, it may not be right away in that conversation. It might be a little later when I have that clarity. So if it's not coming through the hearing, then it'll come through the pages, the writing, the journaling, the tooling of like um, morning pages that you were talking about, just like holding that space to kind of tap into that intuition and that knowing um, and let the messages come through there um meditation 100 meditation there's um uh just like being in the discomfort of the death process the meditation helps to kind of center me and tether me to the love of that versus the fear of that and keeping mm -hmm. me in that you know in your analogy like keeping that center is is it's so important for me like my morning process my daily non-negotiables are wake up meditate, read something, you know, I, I right now I'm reading heart minded by Sarah Blondin. And it's kind of like a, almost like a, you know, you open it up to the page you feel called to listen to read, right. And so I'll read that mm -hmm. and get the message. And then I'll use the pages to kind of process through all of that. Um, another one I use is Oracle cards. So when I'm going through it, I will use the Oracle cards for like, validation or for messaging or like where am I at in this process and those are almost always spot on with the message and just kind of help me in that experience um and the community like talking about it having the conversations with people who I trust and who I can go to those places with and I can tell you like Emma I'm experiencing death and it's like really intense this time <laughs> and I'm not really sure what I'm hearing or what I'm what I'm processing but being able to go through that with people, you know, like Phil and I have a, a very um, intimate relationship with this cycle and to be able to go through it together and to hold that space together and to know um, how he, how, and when he's going through his cycle and I can be there for him. And, and when I'm going through mine and he can be there for me um, kind of creating that safe space, even within our home has been wildly comforting and valuable 
Um, and he knows, you know, he's aware of my relationship with death and I can tell him about these things now and, and, and opening up, it felt very vulnerable to open up about all these things that I just said. Um, but in opening up, what I found is that like my family and friends have now, they've now come to me and they'll say, or if they hear me talking about it, they're like, Oh, okay. But what does that mean? You know, like they're starting to trust. They're starting to trust mm-hmm. that knowing and they want to know a little bit more. And so that gives me a little bit more comfort in leaning into the death life cycle and kind of into that knowing um, and more heavily into the tools. One, okay. One of the other things, the other tools that I have to make I love sure all of these. <laughs> like space and rest, space and rest. Because I think so often we get into that discomfort. We try to like cling onto busyness and doing and like, just like, just push through and like be in the hard. But what I've found helps me the most is when I'm, if I'm getting into like one of those phases where I need to completely release something, the more space I give myself in my calendar and my time and my energy, the more space I create, the better I feel. And the more rest I have, the better I feel and the more able I am to process. Oh, yes, listening to the heart too. And like you were mentioning, um, even coming into this podcast recording, you like to do heart openers. Yeah. Um, and it's really just gifting yourself that space of being that then you can let everything in. You can open that tool of uh, clear audience or, you know, any any form that you're feeling, you can allow in that space of rest and uh, really like inner nourishment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, when we were talking about it, I was saying, I used to avoid and restrict myself from the the senses, the feelings, because it could get so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I have high sensory, very high sensory. And so I'm taking in information all the time and to resist that and to distract and to numb, I would use things like coffee to like stay on track and be productive and do all the things. <laughs> and it like <laughs> tears my system down. But if I use something like a cacao, it opens the heart, it opens the senses, it trusts the senses, it like kind of gives me a little bit more grounding and allows me to engage from that place instead of the like, no, I can control the situation and I'm going to move through it the way I want to move through it. Yes. (laughs) I love too what you said about it's like um, the practice, like you were getting all of these messages of death and you're like another version of yourself would have been freaking out. Like, why is there, like, why am I seeing funerals all the time? Like all of these little signs of death, feeling it. And like you were saying, having that um, like empathy and sensitivity to it all, it can be very overwhelming internally. Um, But what it it sounds like, like through the practice of receiving and allowing and witnessing, um, you have been able to like, like stay curious is what the theme of everything that you were saying too. Like that curiosity feels like such a center ground to you. Um, and that curiosity is really what allows you to expand into that great unknown. Yeah. I, I love that. The curiosity. And it's like the feeling safe in the curiosity, you know, like the more, mm-hmm. the more we walk into the unknown, the more practice it is the more we we get to expand the curiosity because we know we're still safe. We know we're still going to be okay. We know that, you know, we can lean into it. And I think that everybody has this, everybody has this ability to, to tap into all of these signs and all these, you know, the um, just noticing the language of the universe around us. 
but so often we're closed off by it but if we're willing to like engage and just listen and pay attention and kind of see some of the patterns that are happening there's just like mm-hmm. so that curiosity just it's exciting it's like oh you know like this is such great information it's so helpful oh yes and it it lights up the light in others too like even how you were saying people are now coming to you like what does this mean or you know like there's death themes in someone else's life you are now this death what did you call it? death doula death doula <laughs> yes I love that or like, you know what a death doula is um I don't okay well, death, I, I what what would you assume it to be I'm picturing you as like a like the death fairy that like walks someone through death <laughs> a death doula is someone who is like trained to facilitate and support someone through their death process just like a birth doula and mm-hmm. So much of that work is talking about, okay, like coming to terms with what your life was and the regrets that you had or the things that you're celebrating and to like reflect back on it. And my thing has always been like, well, why, why don't you do that while you're living? Like, why don't, why don't we do that process while we're actually living? So that when, whenever we Mm -hmm. get to that point, we don't have to do all this like processing of an entire lifetime. We did it while we were in it, you know, like we don't Mm -hmm. have we don't build those regrets because we're like living in alignment with how we want to be living instead of, you know, getting to death and then being like, well, I didn't do it the way that I would actually want to. Yes. This also feels so tied to purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something that's coming up as you're talking is like, like, of course you're going to have all of these little symbols and patterns of death. And of course now people are going to be coming to you for death because that is part of your life purpose is to be here to embrace death and to uh, guide others deeper into themselves so that they too may embrace death within their own lives. Um, and it, it's like uh, what was coming up too is like for the listeners, just pay attention to what those themes are. Um, Cause I think that's where, that's where there's something building within. If you're ever curious about like, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? notice like life is trying to teach you um and when you notice those patterns that's when you can fully like come into it it's like i i always say it's some uh it can be like this external teaching it feels external at first but really it's guiding you within mm-hmm. all these layers or these patterns of death that you're seeing outside of you it's something that's opening up within you it's a mirror in some way a hundred percent and i think we get caught up in this idea of like purpose has to be this like world changing focus or like a career path and it's not right purpose is like who you inherently are and how you like your unique gift that you have to offer the world and those things that you're saying that are happening on the external give us if if we don't know what that is they give us the clues to do that inner work to know and to feel it's so much more of a feeling you know, to know what that purpose is. And that is so grounding in itself to know like, oh, in any life situation, this is my purpose. My purpose mm-hmm. is to show, to, to do the deep diving in myself so that I can, can I open that up for others and give people the space to do that for themselves? Like I will be the person yeah. who does that. So others feel safe in doing that. No matter what that's with my kids at home, randomly, or in the work that I do, or in the conversations that I have, or the podcasts that we record, that's my purpose always. It doesn't have to be like some big effort. It can just be, you know, like that inherent knowing. 
Yeah, in all the avenues of your life, it doesn't have to be like one practice where you're strengthening and it's separate from all the other. It's it's everything. It's everything. It's I everything. love it. I I want to share a I want to share a, a quick story because you got open and vulnerable, and so it inspired me to do the same. Um, and it was something that I messaged you about with, that death came up, and you were like, "Oh God, like, are you okay?" Because I I texted you after that hike. Um. So what happened was uh so this. I had the beautiful washing the hands and the butterfly moment on one hike a few days ago. And then a couple days later, I was hiking along and I I was kind of feeling sensitive on this hike. I was feeling like some type of energy. I don't know. I was just kind of working through it and it started snowing, <laughs> an insane snowstorm. And um, it was beautiful because, and we, we kind of talked about this afterwards too, like it made me uh, stay very centered and like I couldn't look too far ahead or else I felt like dizzying. Uh, like the way that the snow was falling was so intense. So it really had me like very centered in my uh, space. So I'm hiking along and I wouldn't have noticed it if it weren't for my dog. He's very much a guide for me. <laughs> um, but he like goes down and sniffs something on the ground. And it stopped me because otherwise I really was like, I had my hood up. I couldn't see much. Uh, so it stopped me to look down and I see this dead bird. Um, and not only is it a dead bird, it's a headless dead bird. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I see it. And, you know, I can see light and aura. So I immediately see this like light with this bird. Um, I didn't even notice it was headless at first. But then once I saw it was headless, my mind, like, like my overthinking mind clicked in of like, you know, I, I see signs in the universe. I think like the, the nature especially is like one of my greatest teachers. So I'm like, my, my mind starts going of like, oh God, like there's a headless bird. What does this mean about me? And I, I like made it about myself. Mm. Um, and instead I like went back to my initial, like that moment where I, I was first met with the bird. I felt this like deep connection to the bird, this like soulful, spiritual connection. So once I noticed my mind thinking, I stopped that. I went, I just closed my eyes because I'm like, nope, like I'm not going to allow the, the thinking mind to go. I closed my eyes and I saw the light down at my, like at my left foot near where the bird was. I saw the light from this bird and I just had my hands down um, and I heard in that moment also like Claire audience kind of came through. I heard like the, the spirit is rising and the soul is still here. Um, so I knew like the bird was still like the soul was still with this body. Mm -hmm. um, and I just had this like very deeply connected moment where I like I disconnected like this bird's not here for me. This bird, I mean, maybe for our connected oneness in this experience, but it wasn't like not everything in life is like a message for me, you know. So and that was a, a moment of intuition and of just allowing myself to be fully present in that moment to receive that. Um, but so I, I stood there with my hands down at my waist in kind of mountain pose, if you're familiar with yoga. Um, I had my feet grounded. I closed my eyes. I just breathed and saw the light. And then I slowly raised my hands up with my eyes closed. And I literally could see the light moving. I could see the light from this bird uh, rising up. And then I just, I thanked the bird for its life. I thanked the bird for its death. Because um, I think that both are so important. Every single death, like we've been talking about this whole conversation, um, allows for some sort of rebirth. And even in that moment, it allowed me the chance to be, to have that connection, to be one with that bird in that moment. 
uh, and just to like feel that soul connection and that light and to let it rise. So uh, it was just such a beautiful teaching moment for me too. And uh, kind of tied to what you were saying with like, when all of those knocks of death were coming, there would have been another version of yourself who would have been like freaking out, like, what does this mean? And even in this moment, even as I've practiced for years now of like seeing these messages and uh, aligning with myself and my intuition in those moments, I still had that thinking, like that overthinking <laughs> moment come in. And in the past, I might have like texted someone like, what do you think it means? And, and that's totally fine. That is also building of the inner self and the intuition and our trust within. Um, but it was just such a beautiful moment where I was just able to like release all of that and just be there with the bird. Uh, and it just, yeah, it felt like this um, full death rebirth oneness of all that is. As you were saying that story, and especially when you were talking about, like, right when you were talking about the bird rising, a bird flew so close to this window that it caught my eye and I looked at it. So that was, and I felt, <laughs> I felt like this bird flying by, you know, so there's just, there's that, that like such a beautiful. beautiful moment. Like we have a lot of birds out back, but they don't fly that close to the window where it makes look <laughs> at them. Um, so I thought that was like a beautiful connection to your story yeah well thank you you for noticing I think uh, just real quick the the timing is also what I would like to mention for listeners too is like notice the timing Um, because like you said you knew like right as I said a certain thing the bird rising you saw the bird Uh, and that's the same thing like the example with washing my hands and saying that prayer and coming out and seeing the butterfly like they are connected (laughs) all of those things well and here's the thing like you don't have to believe that nobody, like we said, we don't know, we don't sure. know any of this stuff, but like, isn't it fun to believe it? Isn't it fun and better and more enjoyable to really believe that to me, it is to me. It's like that timing was so beautiful. That timing was so perfect. Seeing that butterfly was like so perfect, you know, and that experience yes. of you being there with the bird of you like interacting with it and think, Oh God, that'll make me emotional. I'm so like, I get emotional with all this stuff, but like thanking it for its life and thanking it for its death and not just passing by it, not just like disregarding its life and like being like, Oh, there's a dead bird, but engaging with that bird and it's, it's experience and it's process. Like what a beautiful moment to, to engage with life and to really feel life and to be a part of it as your human self in the most special way and thoughtful way and intentional way that you can by like honoring that this bird was just like me. It lived, it died. I don't know why, how it happened, but like you gave it space and love and attention in that moment. Like that is fucking cool. That's like, I want (laughs) to live that way. You know, like I'm taking inspiration from that. I'm going to the next, because it happens all the time to all of us, whether it's a bug or a spider or, like a, a bird or something, but like, we're all the same. And the, the, like, I think you're living an example of how you can take each of those moments and like really embrace it and like really be a part of it with all the other beings. I have a question for you then. Sure. <laughs> you had the, the bird was yesterday, right? Uh, two days. Uh, yeah. Two days. two days ago, I think. Okay. Sure. Then you have the dream about dying. Mm-hmm. have you had any other 
experiences and like what's happening right now where either death is happening in your cycle or death is pending like not like death death but like is there something that's like releasing and letting go and you're like experiencing a end of something and a beginning of something else like is that happening right now Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I am coming into the aura painting business and it's so funny even saying that, like, I don't even want to use the word business with it oh. because it, uh, it is an offering. Uh, it is so connected to my purpose, my soul, who I am, my heart. Um, and it is this offering that I am stepping into And as I step into it, I'm noticing like those little things like, oh yeah, I don't need this anymore. I don't need that anymore. Um, And it really, it's like, uh, I've been reflecting on it. It's like, there's so much that I don't even know I'm releasing. Um, And that's kind of what I mentioned with like hiking 50 miles. I'm like, I don't really know, but I know that there's something going on. (laughs) Like, I know that I'm going through a deep, transformation and the death um and it's even like you were talking about like the uh winter in Ohio how it's so obviously like things are dead mm-hmm. right now it feels like the um the growth underneath the soil for me um it feels like you know it is that like winter and that like desolate state but there's like so much happening under there and it's like I can't even see it yet I don't even know um but I know that it's there and well, that's what I just hold so much heart and hope in that's so exciting. And I'm like bursting because there was something that Danielle Laporte said last year, and I will, I will just shatter it if I try to repeat what she said, but basically the essence of it was, you know, we always think, okay, January 1st, okay, let's go. It's the beginning of the year. Let's like get be productive. But really life does not start coming up to the top of the soil until the beginning of February, where everything starts to get ready mm-hmm. for spring. And so I love that even when you're in a different geographic location, where you're not experiencing like the dead of winter, you're still in the same cycle as nature because like we go out back and we're starting to see those little sprouts and like yep. you're experiencing that even where you are. And I, I love the the connection there. Yeah. That goes back to noticing too, just to kind of bring it full circle, how you were saying like the awareness and noticing is so huge. Um, and I think if you are ever struggling with like that death within um, you can, you can seek the like perspective outside of you you can use that as a point of getting to know yourself more um so like seeing those little buds coming up and seeing how do I align with it am I ready to come uh up or you know like that kind of uh relationship that we have with nature and the oneness of all that is a hundred percent I love that I love that like so much of our conversation has surrounded just being aware and noticing and paying attention and that like, you know, we're talking about death, but it's, it's, it's being in the cycle and kind of being aware and noticing where you are in the cycle of life and like what's unfolding, what's unfolding, what's coming up and how do you want to engage with mm-hmm. it? Yes. Speaking of death, it sounds like we got a little one awake and we will just bring this to a death of some sort and allow it to come to life for others. <laughs> That's such a beautiful way to put it. And that's awesome. Yes. I am being summoned. And I'm very excited about being summoned and thank you for having this conversation. It was like so fun. Oh, it was so good. I'm so grateful for you. So grateful to have you in my life and have someone who does just see life and death as one and the same. It's so unique and so beautiful and you are just so important uh, to me and all that will be um, given the gift of listening to this conversation. I'm just 
truly so grateful for you. Oh my gosh, right back at you. I wouldn't be able to have this conversation <laughs> if it weren't for you. It feels like uh, perfect timing and the perfect person to talk to. So thank you for inviting me into the topic. Mm, love you so much. Thank love you. you. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to get involved in the Intuitive Movements community, you can find us on Instagram at Intuitive Movements Podcast. I'll throw some links in the show notes so you can reach out to Krista Franks as well. I'm so grateful to share this conversation with you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll see you at the next new moon.